Human echolocation. Those two words make me think of a superpower more than a natural ability. But as my expert today informs, it's actually entirely possible. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Kevin Lowe. Kevin was just your average kid, going to high school when a nightmare condition and unfortunate complication left him 100% blind. It's a harrowing story, and we bond a bit over some weird similarities in our lives, so I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Kevin is also the host of the Grit, Grace, and Inspiration podcast, and he's here today to talk about what being blind is really like. And we get into the skill of human echolocation, but you'll have to listen to the episode to learn more. I'm still waiting to see more reviews on Spotify and iTunes, you guys. But I know you're good for it. So without further delay, let's see without sight. You know, because there's no video to a podcast. Welcome to the show, Kevin Lowe. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am so excited to have you on the show. Why don't you give a little introduction to yourself for the audience? Yeah, man. So I am the uh, host of my own podcast called uh, Grit, Grace, and Inspiration, as well as a transformational life and business coach. But more than any of that, I like to just say I'm pretty much just your ordinary 30-something, still trying to find my place in the world while hoping to make a difference along the way. Um, other than that, I like to say I'm just a, uh, follower of, of Jesus, lover of life and, um, here just, uh, hoping to, you know, like you said, leave an impact on the, on the world, uh, one person at a time. That's my biggest hope in life. So, um, and then of course, all of that is highlighted by what makes me a little bit unique. And that is the fact that I'm completely blind. And, you know, that's quite something to just like what shoehorn it right there at the end where you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> podcast host and lover of life and coach of people also blind. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How long have you been blind? So I have been blind now. So Alma this October, so October of 2023 will be my 20th anniversary. Wow. Um, so I went blind back in 2003, um, October, October 28th, 2003, um, at which point I was 17 years old. Wow. I mean, that's, was it like sudden or unexpected or was this something that like just kind of happened over time and you're like, okay, I guess this is going to be my new normal. Yeah, no, it was completely unexpected. Um, I was in my junior year of high school, um, literally just kind of living my best life. Like things were going amazing. Had my own, uh, Ford F one fifty uh, pickup truck grew up riding dirt bikes and four wheelers and, and had a, had a four wheeler. I I had actually just got a, um, a a brand new four wheeler for my 17th birthday. Um, and things were going great. Had that awesome group of friends in school. And, um, as I always like to say, and then all of a sudden it wasn't going so good. And it wasn't going so good, came with the results of an MRI. So at this point, 
I had been having medical issues that really had been kind of plaguing me for my entire childhood, but none of them were thought to be severe enough for doctors to, to think, I guess, much anything of them. Um, they didn't really put the pieces together. And so some of those health issues were migraine headaches that I really had, like, like I said, literally my entire childhood. Um, I wasn't growing um, at 17 years old. I was only five foot three, hadn't even you know, gone through puberty. And my doctor always just said, oh, it's, you know, he's just a late bloomer. You know, it, it's no big deal. Well, finally, it took took my mom and my grandmother being like, you know, no, something's not right. And so they finally got me to a new family doctor who that doctor took one look at my chart and was like, okay, yeah, something's not right. So that would fast forward me to an appointment with a doctor I had never heard of before. It was called an a endocrinologist. And that endocrinologist sent me for an MRI. My mom would get a call from him on a Friday evening um, with the results of that MRI. And that was that I had a brain tumor. It was located basically in the center of my brain. So it had completely encased my pituitary gland. It was pressing against my carotid artery and was in the crosshairs of my optic nerve. The tumor was large. Um, they compared it to the size of a plum. And the one benefit was that it, the type of tumor that it was, it was, it was non-cancerous. But um, we would find out that it needed to be removed immediately because they literally gave me at most six months to live if this tumor was not removed. And so as dramatic as all of that sounds in which it was, it, it was assured that everything was going to be okay. I literally was going to the leading pedi pediatric neurosurgeon in the country, literally just an hour away from our home over in Orlando, Florida, um, is where his office was. And he, he assured us, he's like, I do these all the time. He's like, it's fine. He told me, he's like, Kevin, you'll be out of school for like three to four weeks, which for myself, somebody who wasn't a fan of school, I was like, woohoo, baby. And so I literally remember like going back to school, telling all my friends, like, see you later, suckers. I'm out of here for a month. Enjoy, uh, you know, trigonometry. And, um, and so I was having fun with it. You know, like I said, we were all geared up because we finally found the answer to what had been these, these issues, why I had all these headaches, what was going on. And so it was just kind of, a, you know, as I like to say, a little just speed bump, a little bump in the road. And so I would go into surgery on the morning of October 28th, 2003. And um, never did I know Never did anyone know that that literally would mark the end to my life as I knew it because my life would be saved. The tumor was removed, but a couple of days after surgery, um, I'm not sure exactly the timetable, but it was around maybe, I don't know, one to three days after surgery. Um, I don't remember any of this. This is all from what I've been told by my, my family. My mom was was in the the room with me, along with the uh, the neurosurgeon, and um, that's when they found out that I couldn't see, and that happened because they were 
the doctor was trying to point me to the little pulse ox machine that was on my toe that apparently I kept ripping off. And so he, he asked me, he's like, Kevin, do you see this? And, and apparently there was maybe like a little red light on the pulse ox machine. And he's like, Kevin, do you see this, this light? You don't touch this. Do you see this light? And my mom said, that. I said, no, I don't see anything. It, it, it's, it's just black. And at that moment, he looked at my mom My mom looked at him. He walked over and he flipped the light switch on and off, on and off. And he's like, Kevin, do you see this light? He said, no, it's just black. I don't see anything. And it was at that moment that it was realized that I had lost my ability to see. And so um, literally I, I was left um, completely blind. So I have no light perception, no shapes, no shadows, um, nothing of the sort. I also lost my ability to smell. I had short-term memory loss for a solid six months after surgery, kind of proceeded even longer after that, along with so many other medical complications that we had no idea were going to impact me, um, kind of all revolving around the fact that this, this brain tumor killed off my pituitary gland. And, um, and so literally that, that is how I became blind. And that's kind of how then this whole new season of my life began. Wow. And that is, I mean, a, a story, which I'll, I'll get to something about that here in a second, but you also kind of slipped in there under the radar where you're like, oh, I also lost my sense of smell. Like, okay, yes. <laughs> you lost two senses all in one go. Like, that's a pretty radical change to your life when you say, like, oh, the average human recognizes five senses. I lost <laughs> two of them immediately. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and, it, and what's crazy is, is the doctors, when they look at, they can't explain why I lost either one. My doctor, when I would go for all the follow-up MRI appointments, because we had to be sure that the there was this little tiny piece of the tumor that they had to leave. And so I kept having follow-up MRIs to be sure that that was, was not growing back, which it didn't. It continued to die off. And in all the MRIs, you know, the doctor said that there's literally nothing wrong. And he could never explain it. And I'll tell you one thing, boy, is that that neurosurgeon is, is my hero. And, and to this day, I reach out to him every anniversary to thank him for saving my life because I know that it was nothing that he did. It was nothing that anybody did. I know in my heart that it was all in, in God's plan for this to happen. And uh, yeah, so, so, so yeah, but yes, you're, you're right. Sight lost, smell lost, um, rocking and rolling with three out of the five senses. So, and, and keeping a really good attitude about it the whole <laughs> way through too. Like, I mean, you're kind of like, yeah, you know, <sighs> It happened. I'm really thankful to the doctor. Like, yeah, I mean, we're laughing about it now, but that's like a really harrowing experience for most people. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter was, is that it was. And for a long time, it, it was horrible. I mean, the the loss of my ability to see literally, as, as I tell people, my life died on that operating room table and a new life began. And it's not that this new life is any worse 
or better than the previous. It's just different. But with that different life was a whole life of everything that I ever loved. Everything I ever dreamed about was taken from me in an instant. That truck that I loved to drive, the dirt bikes and four-wheelers that I grew up riding, all of that was gone. We literally, you know, had to sell off my truck, sold off my four-wheeler. Everything was taken from me. And I had some really hard times. Now, to the outside world, Kevin was great. Kevin handled it perfect. He's laughing. He's he's loving life. You know, he, he's doing great. The only people who really saw the dark sides were the people closest to me. My mom, my dad, my sister, and my grandmother. And they were the ones who got to see what Kevin was going through behind closed doors. And, and that was a life that I absolutely hated. And that I, to this day, I, I mean, even though I've learned to overcome it and, and can see the beauty in it, it's something that I would never wish on my worst enemy to have happen. Because literally my life, you know, it was completely changed. And only through two things, my faith and my family are the only way that I got through the hardest times um, over these years is, is I am so grateful that I had my faith. And I am so grateful that I have the incredible family that I've had who's walked every step of this, this journey with me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you made it through it and you're, you know, here with us and you get to share your story and also help people. I had a weird aside, which I generally don't do these on the show, just, you know, because there's nothing inherently interesting about like my, <laughs> my nonsense to, you know, jump into this was and this is going to sound like way out of left field for everyone listening but i'll clarify it in a moment was the tumor that you had a wrath key cyst no okay i don't know it was i don't even know what that is so maybe it was but i don't think so <laughs> so weird like weird aside into my past um when i was about that age when i was about 17 18 some of my levels were all off and I was having migraines and headaches and all these things. And I went and got an MRI and I have a tumor that they refer to as a Rathke cyst on oh. my pituitary gland. And so as you started telling the story, I'm like, Oh hell, like <laughs> this was almost me. Like yes. if I had been in a, a significantly worse situation, if this thing was, you know, just bigger, like I'd have been you. And that was, like that, that shook me a bit hearing the story to be like, this could have been like really close to home. Yeah, of course. No, that's great. Yeah. So mine was called a craniopharyngioma was, was the specific type of tumor that I had. So now are you saying was yours a tumor or a cyst? So they kept referring to it as a tumor, but okay. they said it is specifically cystic. And okay. like, it is just generally like a harmless fluid sac that just got in the way of some pituitary functions but they also you know where you said like a plum i think they referred to mine like a grape yes so much yes. smaller yeah either way though we're making a fruit bowl you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of brain salad exactly totally now now mine i will tell you you know me and my personality when i found out i had the tumor and after the immediate you know kind of shock of it all I, of course, um, I named my tumor Bob, 
Bob, the, Bob, the tumor. Okay. And, and my biggest question to the, uh, the surgeon before, before surgery, when we met with him was, will I be able to keep it? And which he said, no, <laughs> he said, no, it will be sent off for tests and stuff, which I was really disappointed about. I thought it could be one of those situations, like where they put it in a jar, something for me to be able to keep. Um, now after the fact, realizing what Bob the tumor did to me is probably a good thing that they took him away because I <laughs> that jar of that tumor probably would have been broken at some point in time. So maybe it's a good thing they they kept the tumor. But um, but yeah, so literally they'll be in my family. We had a going away Bob party. And <laughs> um, and so we had this big party and stuff before surgery. And um, and now I mean, even you know, even in the aftermath, even understanding the trauma of of that event because you know it, i mean it was a traumatic thing i mean i ended up staying in the icu for two weeks um nothing was going right all my endocrine re- levels were off um and literally it took my entire family was there at the hospital um helping me there for me and um and so every anniversary, you know, we, of course, always reminisce about that day. And um, we still to this day, though, there's at least a couple of us will go to to dinner, generally Outback Steakhouse. Um, the, the night before my surgery, um, I was in the hospital. I had to check in the day before. Well, the night before um, we had gotten takeout from Outback Steakhouse. That's what I wanted. And so now every anniversary we go to Outback Steakhouse as a family to celebrate, um, really to celebrate my life, my life being saved. And um, of course, you know, as I like to tell the waiters and waitresses who always see a big group of people, oh, are you guys celebrating everything? You know, are you celebrating anything? Oh yeah, of course we're celebrating Bob's death. And they're like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) So yeah, so. That, like this celebration, celebration yeah. just got a little bit darker in here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're like, so, don't yeah. worry, Bob was a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Bob was a total jerk. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we had talked, like you know, as you said, complete blindness, and that kind of means that there is some stages in there as well, in between, like what is normal vision and what is no vision essentially right yeah correct so something again that you know i had no idea about until i entered this this whole world in that most people who say that they are blind they still have some degree of sight um apparently it's very rare to actually be completely blind so a lot of people will have either some degree of light perception some degree of you know like seeing some shadows stuff like that um but yeah, apparently it's it's a very small percentage of people who actually become completely blind. And that's where I always joke and I and when people will ask me that, I say, no, 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 no. You gotta understand if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it right. And so when I was like, I'm gonna go blind, I'm going blind all the way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, I mean, like I said, it's a really good sense of humor about it, but <laughs> yeah. that has to come with like quite a few, you know, as you said, there was a lot of changes that you had to go through, but I mean, even normal things that people probably take for granted, if you weren't to step out of like an air conditioned or heat controlled room, 
you probably wouldn't know night from day, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole, you know, um, time change that people deal with, um, you know, we we just went through that um, with daylight savings time. And, and now the sun, I don't know, stays up later, rises later. I don't know. None of that bothers me. And so they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so weird. It's still so light out. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. So so luckily I don't have to deal with that. So so, yeah, no, I, I can. I see the sunshine with with the heat, the heat on my face is how I know it's sunny, which can be a problem if you're at a, um, say, outdoor restaurant and it's wintertime and they have those big um, like gas heaters, like the heat lamps, because I feel heat. And so I instinctively go to put on my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's nighttime. That's not the sunshine. That's just the heater shining at you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like all right who's playing a prank <laughs> exactly exactly pretty much pretty much so what about like you know your home life like what's the change that you have to make going from like you know a complete loss of vision that i think the rest of us probably take for granted like there has to be a, a different set of you know walkways or some kind of accessibility yeah, um, you know, so really for me, I mean, everything changed. Um, kind of to give a little bit of context, um, you know, right after my surgery, we we would end up moving out of our house. Um, it was too difficult, I think, on my mom um, to be in the same house where we had been. Um, so we we would move. Um, and move to a different home and stuff. Now, as far as getting around in houses and stuff, I adapt pretty darn quick. Um, and and so I, you know, it's pretty easy to, to memorize the layout of a house. Um, whether it's my house or I go to somebody's house, um, within a few minutes, I've got it figured out and I don't even need my cane. I can just pretty much walk around and, and touch, you know, run my finger, uh, you know, along the wall or or touch the back of the sofa, you know, as I make my way through the living room. Um, so you learn to adapt, you know, pretty easy. Um, but it took time. Um, and so, you know, life for Kevin today looks vastly different than it did for me, you know, soon after becoming blind. Um, after becoming blind, um, you know, I started learning all these new things. I had, um, teachers who came to my grandmother's house my mom would drop me off in the morning because i i never went back to school the rest of my junior year of high school um but instead i had these teachers who came and i had a teacher who taught me school subjects which that was kind of funny because thank goodness i was really good in school and had really already passed all the significant like uh state exams and all of that that would be needed for graduation. And so I was really set like perfect um, for this to have happened. So, which was a good thing because my teacher, she would teach me these school subjects. And again, I told you I had short-term memory loss. And so she would leave and I'd ask my Nana, Nana, when's, when's, uh, you know, Mrs. Scott coming over? And Nana's like, Mrs. Scott just left. <laughs> and, um, and so, so that was kind of fun, but I also had teachers though, I had a teacher who taught me how to read Braille. I had another teacher who taught me how to use the computer with this uh, talking software program called JAWS. 
And then I had another teacher who taught me how to get around with mobility skills using um, a cane. And so, you know, I learned all these different skills, um, really learning to just kind of live again, to, to figure out how to make it through, through this, this new world that I, I found myself in. And I would do it. Matter of fact, I would make it back to school for the start of my senior year in which I would go back to school just for one class a day. So we had four classes a day. And so I went back for just one class a day and the rest I did back at home. Um, but I would ultimately graduate, still graduate with my class, class of uh, 2005 from, from Seabreeze High School. And um, which, I mean, that was that was a huge accomplishment for me. I don't even think that I realized how important that was for me until looking back on it. When I can see now how that accomplishment right off the bat proved to me that I could still accomplish great things. And, um, and so the years after, you know, high school were a lot of just trial and error. It was a lot of, of going to the um, Center for the Visually Impaired Division of Blind Services unbeknownst to me here in literally my own town we had this huge blind services center right near our local community college i had no idea even existed and so they had all these amazing resources to help people who are blind or visually impaired and so they started teaching me you know so much um i dabbled in going to our community college um Kevin, even though I did good in school, Kevin was not a fan of school. I was kind of one of those kids who'd rather be sick with the flu than have to go to school. And uh, so now add on top of it that I'm blind and I'm in college and I'm having to rely on aides who don't show up to class. And I'm still just trying to figure out this whole new world. College would be pretty short lived and I would quickly realize, you know what? I don't think this is right for me. And so I would, you know, kind of continue on um, until really, you know, it, it took a long time because even though I was progressing forward and doing all the things, I was still, I think, in the back of my mind, buying time until I would see again. Because I was under the the assumption, under the the hope, was that this was temporary that everything is fixable, that there's going to be a surgery, there's going to be a medicine, there's going to be something somewhere in the world that's going to fix this and going to make it where I can see again. And it would take a long time to finally come to that point that they'll call acceptance. I personally hate that word more than anything else. Um, I guess because it was rammed down my throat so much by the quote unquote professionals who would, would, they would never really say it to me, but they'd, they'd certainly tell it to my, my parents, my grandmother, or even not even the professionals, even their friends, um, other family members, colleagues, you know, why isn't Kevin, you know, further along? Why isn't he doing this or doing that? Why isn't he able to just accept it and move on with life? And I pity my family so much that they had to go through that because that's absolutely horrible. 
And I would always say, I accept the fact that I'm blind because I'm looking at you and I can't see. But I finally, though, realized in probably about, oh, goodness, I don't know, maybe 2011, 2012, I finally realized that there's another way of acceptance. And that is by being ready to move forward. And um, I heard a quote. It was an audiobook I had listened to. And at the end of the audiobook, there was a character in the book who he said something. And he was standing in the middle of a, a river that they had just finished doing this whitewater rafting journey. And he he stood in the middle of the river with his, his hands outstretched, his fingers splayed letting the current run through his fingers and, and talking to the river, he said, you know, I'll be back someday, but for now I've got more life to live. And I heard that and I stopped it and I rewound it and I listened to it. And I did that a few times and I thought that's exactly what I need to do is I'm not going to give up on the hope, the faith that I may see again but it may not be until I'm in heaven and that's okay because for right now I've got more life to live. And that was a pivotal moment for me to move forward with life. Yeah. And that's, that's a mindset that, uh, I mean, you, like you said, you can't force other people to adapt to what you want. They have to kind of find, you know, what's right for them on their own. And I mean, that's a really powerful one to say like, it doesn't matter to me right now. If it happens, that's fantastic. But I have got too many things to do to, you know, be concerned or held up on this one thing. Yeah. And another thing you had said in there was like, there's these services that exist and they were in your town and you didn't know them. Like they just are <laughs> there, but because you don't have to take part in them, you're like, I don't know. It's a building. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had no idea. I mean, that's probably something I'm glad it exists. That was one of the questions I had was like, are there services for this? Because I was trying to think about like us getting logged into Zoom today is I'm like, sometimes I have a hard time navigating my own computer <laughs> and I can see it just fine. So I'm like, I, I cannot even imagine what is going on on your side of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's technology is incredible. And that's what I've said. I definitely became blind in the in the right time era. And, and the, the biggest thing is, is I do, I have just a, a, a normal laptop computer, just like anybody else, but I have this uh, software program called JAWS and it stands for job access with speech. And literally it, it's a, a screen reading device. And so literally I can do pretty much everything on the computer that anybody else can do. But since I can't use a mouse, since I can't see, I do everything with just keystroke commands. And as I'm doing those, this software program is reading everything on the screen that I'm navigating it to. And uh, so, I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. And then of course, the, the biggest game changer was the iPhone. When the iPhone back on like, I think it was version like the 3GS was the first one that had a program called VoiceOver, which is their own version of JAWS built in, to all of Apple's products. And literally that makes everything on the iPhone, the iPad, 100% accessible to the blind. And it's 
absolutely just mind blowing. Yeah, I guess it's part of those like those menus. I know my phone has one that says like accessibility settings. And exactly. I never, I never use it because I'm like, I have no idea what this is for. And if I start <laughs> touching it, I'm going to brick my phone. <laughs> exactly. So a- another thing we had kind of talked about before coming into this is that you have done some, I guess we'll say for now, advanced training in kind of, you know, being completely blind that I guess you would call human echolocation. Yes. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, so this is, this is where my mind got blown. So I talked about all the, the training offered through, through these, you know, blind service programs and the big one, you know, being mobility. And that was, you know, like I said, I used, used a cane. Um, and so when I, when I told you that I went back to school for the one class a day during my senior year, my teacher would teach me, you know, the route to get to my class. And so I knew that if my mom pulled up to this exact spot, I would get out and using my cane, I'd, I'd find the edge of the grass. I'd follow the, the, the grass around following the sidewalk, you know, I'd know like, okay, now I come down, I pass three doors. Then I turn right. You map out this whole layout, but you only see what your cane can touch. And that is the life I lived until 2017. And in 2017, I had a friend reach out to me. Now, at the time, I was a travel agent because in 2013, I opened my own home-based travel agency um, that I was able to, again, you know, rely on that talking software program called JAWS on my computer to literally run my entire home-based business. And I made, you know, amazing friends all in the industry, other home-based travel agents all over the country, all over the world. And it was through one of those connections that one of the, the ladies I knew, who I think she lived out in Texas, she had, had messaged me through Facebook one day. She's like, Kevin, she's like, I'm going to send you a link to a YouTube video. You've got to check out this, this video of this guy who he's completely blind, but he's riding a skateboard and he's riding a bicycle and, and doing all this cool stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so she sends me the YouTube video and it's of this guy named Brian Bushway. And he's riding a bicycle on, on a street veering you know not hitting the parked cars he's doing all this other cool stuff and he's doing it all by making this clicking noise basically um what i would find out was a click that he would make with the with his tongue against the roof of your mouth to make just this little sharp little snapping noise i of course though you know in watching this video and i'm like wow this is just awesome but at the same point i get kind of discouraged and I get kind of depressed because I'm like, God, why, why won't you give me that ability? Because I'd heard about this one time before on the Ellen show years earlier over at my grandmother's house. I was over there and the Ellen show had come on and she had this, this young boy on who was doing basically kind of the similar thing. And so 
now this is the second time that I've ever heard about this. And again, I'm like, wow, well, I mean, that's great for him, but you know, I wish I could do it. Lo and behold, I end up, I guess, doing a little bit more research and I find out, wait a minute, he's actually an instructor for an organization where they're teaching blind people all over the world how to do this, how to use human echolocation. And I'm like, how is this real? And so things started progressing pretty quickly. Next thing I know, I'm in contact with him, on the phone with him, on the phone with his, another one of the trainers um, with the organization he was part of. And I'm so excited about this. And I'm learning how, yeah, like I could train with this guy, Brian, and, and learn how to do this myself. All the while, though, being like, is this for real? I mean, this is like, who's ever heard of such a thing? Like, and so it took a while. I mean, there were many phone calls. I think I even had my, my mom finally got on a call with, with um, the guy, Brian, one day when she was at work to talk to him more about it. We finally decided that, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty positive this is legit. And so let's go for it. And so the the cost of the trip was going to be a lot, the training. And so we ended up doing a GoFundMe campaign um, was started up for me. And my entire community just rallied behind me. And I mean, I think within like three days, we had, had met our goal. It was like all the pieces were falling into place. And so summer of 2017, head out to Los Angeles, California um, with my mom and sister. And um, there I began training with the guy, Brian Bushway, the same guy who was in that YouTube video. And he starts training me how to use echolocation. Now, the first couple of days of training were just grueling because it is so mentally exhausting to for one to even learn how to to adequately do this little clicking technique with your tongue against the roof of your mouth and then it's a whole another thing for them to be told that the noise that that click is making is supposed to be bouncing off of the object around you coming back and your brain is going to interpret that as an image woo baby that was tough <laughs> and it was so just mentally fatiguing that, you know, when we went out there, I, of course, had all these plans of, you know, every day after training, we're going to go do this. We're going to go see this. We're going to go to this restaurant. No, no, no. After training, I literally, all I wanted to do was to go back to our Airbnb apartment, order takeout, and just literally just go to sleep. But the third day of training, which ironically, before I had went out there, I had had many phone calls with Brian and I had asked him, I said, Brian, I'm like, how long does it generally take somebody to actually be able to get this to work? And he said, generally on about the third day of training, most people have, have something. Well, lo and behold, third day of training. Now we weren't in some type of, a lot of people think like I must've been going to some super high-tech laboratory or something. No, no, no. I had been just getting dropped off at his house 
um, my mom and sister would go on and, and do tourist stuff in Los Angeles while me and the guy, Brian, we would just work around his neighborhood. Well, on the third day, he instead came over to the Airbnb apartment we had rented. My mom and sister went out and did their tourist stuff. And me and Brian, we started working in inside of the apartment. And he's trying to show me that corners of a room are, are easy to identify when, when using the echolocation. And so he's having me get right up, like face to face with, with the corner of the room. And I'd make, do the click and supposed to see something. I don't see nothing. And so then I do the click again. And every time I'm doing the click, now I'm stepping, taking a step backwards, taking a step backwards. All of a sudden, it was like somebody turned on the light switch. Because all of a sudden, this room of nothing turned into something. The wall that I was facing, all of a sudden, I could see it. It turned into this fuzzy gray color. And I could literally walk up to the wall. I'm still using this clicking technique. I could walk straight up to the wall, no cane. Walk up, but not run into it because I could stop right at the wall. I could then turn and walk alongside the wall, still seeing it. And then all of a sudden the wall ended and this deep, dark black, like opening appeared. And well, that was the opening to the kitchen. I could see it. I could see the wall. I could see the opening for the first time. And at that point had been 14 years for the first time in 14 years, I could see again, just in a whole new way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, number one, why are we not talking about these? Right? Like if, yes. if this is so effective and it works, you know, like you said, it just, it one day, lack of pun here clicked. Like, yeah, it, this is something we should just be doing. Exactly. And, and that has been my biggest thing because I kept saying, but here I was, we have this huge blind center. Why had I never heard about this before? And, and for a while, I really felt almost bitter, almost angry. Like, why was I shortcutted? Why, what if I had been able to learn this back at the very beginning? And what I came to find out is that for some reason, it's almost is, and, and this is just my opinion, my view on the matter. It's almost as if the thing of using echolocation is almost like when you think of traditional, traditional medicine, their view on say acupuncture, um, where they think it's, it's not, it's not real. It's almost as if this idea of blind people using echolocation uh, challenges the traditional thinkings, the traditional way that blind people do things. And what I tell people is, is that echolocation does not replace good cane technique. It just is another tool in my toolbox that I can use because I still use a cane to get around, but now I have echolocation that lets me now preview my environment. 
So no longer can I only see what the tip of my cane touches or the tip of my finger touches, but now I can literally see the world around me. And it just enhances everything. And so it is truly one of those things that I think, why? Why are we shortcutting every person who is blind, who doesn't know about this, who doesn't have the ability to go train with somebody when there's these blind centers all over the country that should be teaching this. I don't get it. Yeah. I I am going to use probably the most stereotypical response. Hopefully you had seen this movie pre blindness. Uh, Daredevil was also released in 2003. It's obviously not that right like that is kind of the uh like a blind person who can see through sound that's like they're the whole premise of the character how far out do you see with echolocation okay so before that so i never did see the movie daredevil but my pastor (laughs) my pastor marcus buckley at church after after this all went down and my church was a big part of the whole GoFundMe campaign, my, my church rallied behind me as well. And so they were hugely supportive of it. And so my, my pastor for a long time, he would always call me our resident daredevil was in the house. And so he was a big person on superheroes, Marvel characters. And so he thought it was the coolest thing to get to have a real life daredevil in the church. And, um, and, and so that was always pretty funny. And I was always like, I'm like, ironically, I've never seen the movie and I still have not ever even seen the movie. I've, I've heard enough about the movie, but, um, but, uh, but yes, that, that is, that is pretty funny, but that is what most people think of is who have seen that movie. Is there immediately like, this is just like daredevil. (laughs) Um, as far as how far out I can can see, do you mean as far as like distance away from me? Yeah, just because like I mean it's literally like this superhero movie, and you don't have to see it. It's not that good of a movie. Yeah, but that's like <laughs> their whole thing is like his superpower is echolocation, and you're like that's my regular skill now. Yes, but it's like yeah, how far? Like you had said, you're facing a wall, and you could see like oh, there's a wall here now. Like, I can kind of tell out to a certain distance, like, oh, there's a gap that goes into the kitchen. How far yeah. in distance from you is that? Yeah, um, you know, I'm sitting here trying to think. And so I can tell you without even, like, say, having the the actual, like, acoustic image formed, but just literally hearing the echo is, like, super far because... um. I can be standing somewhere and with the, like where I will have my cane in my hand and whether I click with my, with my tongue or maybe just use the tip of my, my cane and, and hit it against the, uh, the ground. Other people will just hear me hitting the cane against the ground. I'm instead hearing it bounce off of the building far up ahead of me. I'm hearing the echo from that building. And so I'm hearing that echo and so, you know, and, and since it goes really far um, now, as far as the actual me seeing things, um, which which to explain basically what's happening is my brain has 
reconfigured the brain's visual cortex to basically instead of seeing through sight to now see through sound. And uh, um, and so that's kind of like the science behind it. And so they say that somebody who is blind, who doesn't use echolocation, could go in for an MRI and that part of the brain would just be black. Now, a blind person who uses echolocation can go in for an MRI and that part of the brain will be lit up, similar to somebody who can actually see, um, which is which is really fascinating. Now, to to your question, um, it's it's pretty far out because, like, I'm I'm trying to think of like scenarios. Um, walking through, I don't know, say a restaurant or store. I mean, you know, I can do a click and I can tell. You know, okay, there's there's a wall, you know, over across the room, uh, you know, and then, of course, as, as you're getting closer to stuff, you know, more comes into view, um, I guess you could say. One of the one of the cool things for me is, you know, the ease of going into, say, a, a public restroom. So most people who, who can see, you don't think anything of it. Well, if you go to like some of like the big shopping malls, their public restrooms are like mazes. They're huge. And before, I mean, I could straight up just be completely lost in those things. But now with this, I can walk in and no doubt some of them are still very confusing and I will gladly ask for help by somebody else walking in. But with a couple of clicks, I'll all of a sudden get a little, I compare it to like a ping. Um, I think of it like, um, trying to think of, uh, an example, like, uh, a commercial for say, um, wine glasses or maybe like, um, dishwashing detergent. And you know how they'll put that little cartoon, little shine off the, the rim of the glass, yeah. um, to show that it's like sparkling clean. Well, off of like a shiny metal faucet, when I do that click, I get the same thing. It's this sharp little ping off the tip of the faucet. So I can see right where the faucet is and walk over to the sink, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it's really just, it, it's just crazy cool. So I guess basically it's it's kind of like our eyesight. Further away it is, yeah, you know, I can quote unquote see it. But as I get closer, you know, I'm able to see more of it in more detail. Gotcha. It's kind of like if you were to walk down an alleyway, you're like, oh, there's a wall at the end. And then as you get closer, you're like, oh, there's a door in the wall. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. I mean, that like, that opens my brain up to say like, is there a tone that like we could have technology that emits a tone that is most beneficial for this echolocation or is kind of your natural, like either the one you can make in your mouth or with a cane, is that kind of the most beneficial click? Yeah, so they have, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they do have some devices. Um, one thing that when when I had went out for training, I was given, they call it a thumb a thumb clicker. And I don't know if it was made specifically for this or, or what its actual purpose was for, but it was a little thing that I could hold in my hand and it would make the snap for me. Um, the benefit to making it myself is the fact that emitting it from my mouth it's right in the center of my head so literally that echo is going to come right back 
to my face, to my two ears. And so, whereas if I'm holding something, that echo is going to come back to that object versus right up to where I need it, which is to, you know, to my ears. So that is why making the clicking noise with, with your tongue is really the best thing. Interesting. It reminds me, I don't know, this is going to be entirely anecdotal because I have no idea where I even heard it from. (laughs) But I had heard that there is something almost instinctual about this in children that are born completely blind, I think. Okay, yes. They're like, oh yeah, these kids, you know, they were trying to do a study and they're like, these kids tend to just make this noise naturally. And it is like deterred from the parents generally because they're like, the parents are like, that's annoying, quit it. Yes. And they don't realize that like it serves a purpose. Do you think exactly. it, it is the same thing? Like they've just figured it out naturally because they never had the sight to begin with? I I would imagine so. I mean, that would only make sense to me. Absolutely. Well, and it stands, you know, like you said, if you do an MRI and that area of the brain lights up, that's kind of like, hey, here's some scientific evidence besides like me showing you I can do it. Here's something that says this is not like a made up fantasy in my head. It has something, there is a tangible result that I can show you. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. What I mean, you know, the thing is, is that it it continues to get like stronger. Um, You know, I guess, you know, think of it like a muscle. And so the more you use it, the better and better it gets. And so today, I mean, there's times when I, it won't even be me actively doing something, but sometimes and not all the time, but sometimes say I'll be in the kitchen and for some reason, the sound of the water hitting the sink will all of a sudden emit it and I'll be in there and I'll be like, whoa, it's like somebody just turned on the light switch because I can literally just be looking around me and I'm like, Yep, there's the one cabinet, like there's the cabinet. Oh, there's, you know, my mom standing there. Um, it's crazy. It's so, so crazy. <laughs> Do you ever catch like her or other people off guard where you just hear like some kind of a sound and you know that they're standing there now and you're like, oh hey mom, and she's like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well, that ability came even before the whole echolocation. Yeah, because <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Everybody knows pretty good not to try and sneak up on me or to try and sneak and do something or try to whisper behind my back. They learned that real quick after I became blind that that was not a good thing to do because Kevin's going to hear you. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I have two less senses to focus on. I'm Ex- using the other ones a lot more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been really cool. I had two listener questions. I kind of told you beforehand, I don't think they're going to take you off guard. Sometimes my listeners have some very intriguing questions. I feel like these are two things I would ask given a normal conversation. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the first one is from Mike. He asked, uh, do you dream with visuals? Oh, that's a good one. Um, So that's a good one in the fact that I do dream. It's hard. Okay. So I, it, it's a hard question to answer. And it's because of like this, when, when I think of, I don't know my life, let's think of something that's like real memorable. Let's think of a vacation. When I think of my last vacation, I don't think of 
the sounds of the vacation. I think of the vacation as a whole. I think of the cool cabin we stayed in. Um, I think of the mountain that we climbed. My world is, it's more than, it's, it's more than just sound. You know what I mean? And so, and so when I dream, I think it's kind of the same way. I mean, I see in my dreams, but am I really seeing or am I seeing like I see today? I don't know. Um, I actually don't really know that, to be honest, um, whether it it's me remembering my dream as as actual seeing it or it is today. Um, now. I'm kind of rambling on this because there's there's dreams are dreams are probably one of the most intriguing things to me and and I do think back to some of my dreams and they'll be from say um like my grandmother's house and I will be blind in the dream but yet I can see what's going on which is kind of funny and uh, so, so yes, I don't know. I guess the question is the answer to that question is it's a yes and a no. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that like after having this conversation, you know, sitting down with you for this little this last hour or so, it's I'm like, well, now do you have echolocation in your dream? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's an entirely different kind of visual. I'm that's like, true. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those questions where I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean. I feel like that is a question I would normally probably ask at some point, yeah. but now like you're like, well, which version of my vision, the vision that uses <laughs> sound because I use that now. So my brain is adapted to that, but also like I had normal vision before this. So I do exactly. have like, visual memories. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you, Mike, for that question. Um, the other from Abby, I think we actually already touched, but I do think it's one of those questions that a lot of people have, which is, is being blind, and in this case, obviously completely blind, like always seeing pitch black? Um, no. Okay. Um, because I will tell you that some days, some days I would say my, my vision is, is just blackness. Other days, um, I will I will complain that it's it's super bright. Um, even though it's still black, um, it's it's super, super bright, like to the point that it's distracting. Other times it can be like a dull black, like a matte black kind of kind of finish. It's constantly changing. Now, of course added the fact of echolocation and now it completely changes it because my whole, you know, just sitting in my house, you know, everything has dimension. Everything has its own unique sound profile, um, which looks different. And, and so, so that has kind of made that even more complex. Yeah. And that's very, cause that was like a thought when I read that question, I was like, okay, well, I guess I assume so. Yeah. And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, what if it was just always white? That would be a nightmare. I'm like, oh, it's so bright <laughs> all the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, like thinking about it, like, so for example, right now I'm sitting here, um, you know, in my studio, which I have, you know, soundproof paneling. So I tried to uh, 
eliminate Echo as much as possible. It's like right now, I would explain that my the blackness is shiny, like a shiny polished black. Um, so so that's that's what blind looks like right now. Interesting. Well, a lot to think about, and thank you, Abby, for that question. And honestly, I have enjoyed this so much. This has been awesome. I have appreciated your time immensely. I wanted to give you some time to, you know, share again where your podcast is and where people can find you if they're looking for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, first and foremost, dude, thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity. I always love to to share my story and, and share my kind of unique view on the world. Um Best place for anybody interested in a little bit more Kevin Lowe in your life um, is to to find my podcast. Uh, the podcast is called Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. Um, you can find that on literally any platform that you listen to podcasts, or you can also just head on over to my website, which is gritgraceinspiration.com. So basically the name of the podcast without the little and symbol. Um, and uh that that would be the best place. Um, you know, I always have something going on. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, I've got a a thirty day ultimate spring challenge happening inside of a a private Facebook group because the whole purpose of kind of my podcast, what I'm doing, is trying to get people to to open their their eyes, open their minds to to life, to the world, to opportunities, and as I always like to say, you know, helping people to turn their, their past challenges into future, you know, opportunities. And, um, and so I've always got something new going on. Um, and the, the central place to find out about it all is literally by listening to the podcast, um, grit, grace and inspiration. Awesome. And I hope people find it. And, you know, especially if they'd enjoyed this, leave a good review. It's so easy and it's so important for podcasters. Like it is, the biggest source of how we grow and how new people find us other than listening to episodes like these. Like it's so important. Just leave a review, drop a like wherever it is, subscribe. If you are enjoying it, just go, go find it, go enjoy that thing, but tell the creator that you enjoy it. Leave good reviews. Love it. Love it. All right. Awesome. Well, I, again, I appreciate our time immensely. This has been so great. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it so much. Had a great time. Do you feel more educated after listening to this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If you enjoyed the episode, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. If you really like what I'm doing, remember to subscribe for two new episodes every week and check out the ever-expanding backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or by sending a message to me on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. That's it for this week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you right back here on Monday. Bye bye